very warm welcome this Sunday evening to Capital Sports 2.0. I'm Alan Moore and I have three gorgeous, wonderful and far more talented than me co-hosts. Uh, I'm going to introduce them one by one, but I'll only introduce them when they're going to speak. They have two minutes apiece and then we have 30 seconds after that to come back. So straight away, okay, on this day of you know, well, celebration, I guess, for uh, English football, Liverpool finally back at the top of the English football tree. I'm going to go back to the Manchester United fan, Andrew Flint in Tumen, and he's going to tell us about some Russian football news. Well, this weekend there was some very, very important matches and, and results, um, key of which was Zenit St. Petersburg coming back from 1-0 down at home to Krylia Sovietov with two penalties, slightly dubious decisions, um, unconvincing display really from them. Um, they remain nine points clear at the top. I suppose the second headline would have to be from the match days anyway was Orenberg against Krasnodar was, well, forfeited. Um, they are yet to decide exactly what the punishment is, but it's a virtually foregone conclusion. It will be a 3-0 win to Krasnodar, but it's yet to be rat- ratified. Um, as of yet, Odali Katzenberg won their first home game since August against Tambov, having played a Russian quarterfinal midweek. Krylia Sovietov have fired their manager. Uh, Mirdrag Bozovic, he's managed six clubs in Russia in his time and his coaching staff have gone with him. Clearly at bottom of the league at the moment. Um, they lost the last three games in a row. Spartak were held at home by Ufa, which was, it was a, they were on top and there was a very, very close um, VAR call where Alexander Belenov on the line, I think it just, just didn't quite cross the line, but it was very, very close. Lokomotiv winning away to Rubin Kazan. Um, Alexey Midanchuk scoring both goals, all three goals under Marco Nikolic so far. And the Moscow derby between Dinamo and Tiska petered out into a nil-nil, which was about as good a result as Tiska could have hoped for. Viktor Gonchenko is back from Belarus and he will take charge for the next game. Uh, and Rostov beat Arsenal Tula 2-1 um, with their senior players back in action the ones who have tested negatively and have served a two-week quarantine. Uh, it, it still looks like Zenit are going to run away this league, Andrew. Yeah, absolutely. Um, even though they were not convincing at home to to Krylia, Krylia looked very interesting. Uh, Maxim Glushenkov really, really lively performance up front. But they're nine points clear still. Uh, Lokomotiv are still not blowing teams away, and they are still making no ground. Um, six games to go, nine points clear. It's it's all in the bag for Zenit. All right, we're going to go straight away to Ireland to our legal eagle, Isolde Cody. Um, big baby, two minutes. So this time last year, a guy called Andy Ruiz managed to hold and unsuccessfully defend five of the heavyweight titles for six months by virtue of the fact that Darrell Big Baby Miller uh, failed his testing for four substances prior to what was scheduled to be the AJ fight in Madison Square Garden. Among those substances was EPO. But Bob Arum, who doesn't care if he deals with athletes taking drugs, apparently, or drug dealers, decided that he would give, as a co-promoter, Jarrell a further chance. And it turns out that the expression, fool me once, shame on you, fool me, at this point, no one's really counting a number of times, uh, turns out to be true because Jarrell failed another drug test and now his bout, which was scheduled to be in the next few weeks has been obviously postponed whereas in reality the man because of the way boxing is set up he can't ever really get a lifetime ban so anytime a promoter chooses to 
give him a bout. It's only a question of whoever's providing the license determining if they want to let him continue. And due to an administrative issue on the last occasion, when again, he had EPO in his system, he managed to be able to get a license and only had six months out of boxing. And on the last occasion, he actually tried to suggest that all of these substances found in his system were as a result of a stem cell-related treatment on his elbow. So clearly his elbow is bad again. But basically, once again, boxing looks ridiculous on the week when we're hearing big announcements about its return in the UK. Explain to you one thing. Why are promoters, reputable promoters like Bob Arum, um, well, okay, reputably he's dealing with like drug dealers like Daniel Kinahan, but um, how, like, how can other boxers get into the ring with this person? Why, why, why won't boxing, the boxing community say, listen, you go jump and jump off a, a cliff or whatever because you're a dirty fiend? You see some really great um, comments from people like, I suppose, Anthony Corolla today was extremely strong on the subject. Uh, Tony Bellew, extremely strong on the subject. The problem is you, the guys they're fighting. So in Jarrell's case, he was going up against a guy who isn't going to get those top rank nights otherwise. And unfortunately, boxing, if you can get a license, promoters don't care. And that's the difficulty because li- getting a license is one thing. What you need is you need promoters to be saying, we're not going to give you jobs. But one of the pay-per-view events that's coming out of Matchroom in the UK in the next number of weeks, eight weeks away, features Povetkin. You know, boxing doesn't really care. I have and that's be- what we're all getting to see. Well, my, my thing would be Dillian White. People could argue the exact same thing. He's had failed tests. What I'm saying is failed tests don't preclude you from fighting again. The yeah. problem is EPO is not the same as what any of the other guys who I've mentioned have had in their system. This, EPO is a different. There's no explanation. There's no... Pavetkin, one of his findings was the same as Maria Sharapova's, yeah. where it was a substance that you could say was common in certain parts of the world. EPO is a different level. Well, of course, that uh, substance was also common in County Carlo with the Carlo footballers, so there we go. I've often said Carlo and Russia could be twinned. Carlo is the worst of Russia. It's even worse than Scotland. And speaking of Scotland, of course, we're going to another part of Moscow to Mr. Andy Mack. Andy, um, your twin club, Liverpool, even though you're showing me your Scottish badge, your twin club, Liverpool, who you also will sing the Fields of Athenryte, they're once again champions of England. How happy are you? Um, not very. Okay, I'll start my rant with, I, I guess... Everyone banging. I saw something yesterday that it said Liverpool are now officially the greatest club team of all time because they hold, uh, they are currently the holders of every title going. So the Club World Cup, they are still in the Champions League because they have officially rearranged the thing despite the fact they are already out. Uh, They've won the league, they've won something else, blah, 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 blah. Utter rubbish. They should never go down as the greatest club team of all time, or even in England, I don't think. They've won one title in 30 years. Uh, The domination that they've had at the moment, I think, yes, Klopp's done a wonderful job, no matter how you break it down and analyse it with who's behind him in the team, whatever. Signings, second highest wage bill, lots of money spent on the defenders. Their opposition at the moment are trash. Simple as. And any time you see any of the EPL clubs play in, in Europe, they're getting found out tactically, they're getting found out performance-wise, they're getting found out by teams that are finishing third, fourth, fifth in Europe. 
Napoli haven't come close to challenging in, in Italy really uh, um, for for some time. I mean, they came sort of close against Juve, but not really. And they've they've been fairly woeful this year with all of the stuff that's going on. They gave Liverpool four good games. Uh, that says to me, if they were to be, if Liverpool were moved into any other league in Europe, I think they'd struggle to dominate the way that they have in England this season. I tip my hat to them. They've broken records. It's about consistency. People will slag off Scottish football all the time. Celtic have done eight and a half titles, we'll call it. You have to go out and win, and they have. So, yeah, fantastic that they have done it. But I think at the moment, the likes of, if you roll back to the, the great Arsenal, Invincibles, Manchester United under Ferguson, there are always two or three clubs that push them. At the moment, Chelsea, way off the pace. United, nowhere near what they should be. Uh, Man City have had a, a, a terrible season by by their high standards. Uh, Arsenal, what was it, their first league win in seven games or something the other night? Now they've got two on the bounce. But I mean, all of the challenges that should be up there and pushing Liverpool have been way off the pace for the last the last year. Andy, you, you just went over, we, we allowed you to do the extra like 10, well, 15 seconds. The one thing, it just felt like I was like watching uh, Mike Bassett in Le Manger again because you were naming all these teams and not once did you mention poor Spurs. But I think that's probably better off. Easelt uh, is already traumatised from having to deal with Spurs. Andy, before I, before I go on to Alex B, who's waiting patiently uh, for us in North America, for example, you're talking about Liverpool moving away. If we look at, at Bayern Munich winning yet again, you know, nine in a row, look at Juve doping their way to another title, same as with Bayern. Do you think that it's, it's, we're being a bit unfair on the uh, Liverpool? Um, no, no. I, I think it, what, what they've achieved is great, but I don't think we should be talking about it as if this is something that is absolutely mind-blowing, amazing. Um, it's a great achievement. They need to go and do it again and again and again. Um, I mean, Blackburn Rovers and Leicester City have won as many titles as them in, in the last 30 years. So, Over we go to Toronto, to Alex B. Alex, uh, <clears throat> you can hear us loud and clear, I hope. Uh, your mic is not muted for sure. So you have two minutes to tell us about the NBA is has announced as coming back. Of course, baseball has announced it's coming back as well. Tell us about the NBA schedule and also what's happening in the UFC. You have two minutes. Go. <laughs> Howdy. Um, all right. So the NBA will be coming back July 30th. So um, there actually will be a good number of games on July 30th and July 31st. So the first game is going to be, all this is in Orlando, Florida, by the way. So there's going to be the Utah Jazz against the New Orleans Pelicans at 6.30, uh, sorry, at 1.30 Moscow time. Um, the LA Clippers against the LA Lakers, just huge, huge game, is going to happen also on July 30th. It's going to be at uh, 4 o'clock, 4 o'clock Moscow. So that's all for July 30th. July 31st, we have the Orlando Magic taking on the Brooklyn Nets, two teams that are contenders in the East. They'll be playing at 9.30 o'clock. Um, the Memphis Grizzlies are going to be playing the Portland Trailblazers at uh, 11 o'clock. Then we have the Phoenix Suns against playing against the Washington Wizards also at 11 o'clock. And then at 1.30, we're going to have the Boston Celtics taking on the Milwaukee Bucks. No, this is a huge game for the East because last year the Milwaukee Bucks got past the Celtics. The Celtics just could not find the answers for Giannis. Let's see how that Let's see what they do this year. Um, it's, a, it's a new team. The Sacramento Kings are going to be taking on the San Antonio Spurs at 3 o'clock. And then at 4 o'clock, the Houston Rockets 
against the Dallas Mavericks. So that's all, that's all we're going to have for July. Okay, how would you think that the players are going to cope with such an intense schedule in a short space of time? Uh, are, are you kind of a bit worried that maybe there'll be a, sort of a, a lot of injuries or maybe, you know, kind of some really terrible play? That's kind of what I've been thinking because there's a lot of teams with very tough schedules, like, you know, especially that, comes, that goes for the teams that are going to be, you know, in the East, it's like the Raptors, the Bucks, the Sixers, and the Celtics because these are all teams that, you know, probably one of these teams is going to have to face two of the other three at some point in the playoffs. So if they play right now, it's going to be demoralizing to lose for both of, the, for both of those teams, and it might, have a, it might play a role in what's going to happen in the playoffs. So there's also that factor. There's also the fact that they're all in there together. So I don't know what's going to happen. I, I really don't. But, yeah, this is – they're under a lot of pressure right now. Do you think that in this current format, okay, looking at the schedule as it's set up so far, who are you picking to go all the way? <laughs> uh, in this current format? Honestly, I think – oh, man. Honestly, like, I, I don't even know. This, this current format just kind of may have messed up everything that we thought about what was going to happen with basketball. I'm going to say Raptors. Raptor pride, right. We're going to go back. Uh, Alex, thank you for that. You asked, you've got get your 30 seconds out in just a couple of minutes or a few minutes. Andrew Flint, straight over to you. Uh, 30 seconds. Former present CEO of Locomotive Moscow versus Locomotive Moscow. It's, it's, it's a big, big case because if Locomotive win, it will discourage real good sports managers from going into sports clubs in Russia. If they lose, it's going to be a right kick in the testicles for Lokomotiv Moscow. On his Telegram channel, because that's how Russians communicate nowadays, not with their actual mouths and ears and everything, Mr. Gerkos himself has basically ridiculed um, the complaints against him, saying, look, how can you not notice the success I brought to the club in 2016-2017? The club have brought 30 kilograms worth of documents to this case, and quite frankly, I think it's... um, it's all a bit of a joke because it's obvious that Ilya Gerkos um, had brought a reasonable amount of structure, but he had some independent ideas that were not controlled by the people who wanted to control them. Personally, I'll be very interested to see how this ends up because it should end up in Ilya Gerkos' favour, in my opinion, simply because he's, he's done a very good job there. And it's obvious that he's made, he even likened Yuri Shevin to the head of the crime syndicate of the Sopranos boss. Um, and that's actually not an uncommon theme that we've heard from yeah. people within Russia, how he is utterly dominant around everything. A sporting yeah. director needs that control. Um, so how it turns out will be anybody's guess, basically. Uh, Lokomotiv won back uh, a bonus or they're refusing to pay him a bonus of a quarter of a million euros that's uh, after winning a cup uh, league getting the, to- the team of the Champions League and when you look at the amount it's a tiny percent of the revenue that he got in that he drove into the club mm-hmm. that he brought to the club yeah. as well as player sales and getting in players for free selling it just an unbelievable turnaround he made on the club uh, from a club that was bankrupt where they basically had 5,000 fans coming to the last game of the season with nothing to play for and then he came in and completely reinvigorated the place and okay alright uh, Andrew thank you for that Isolt you've got 30 seconds you can comment on either should sports managers be paid a fair share of the revenue they bring in or do Liverpool need a kick in the ghoulies you've got 30 seconds should sports managers be paid in terms of the revenue they bring in on a on a well a commission scheme could motivate someone. However, 
I don't know if it's a good idea because it may not be reflective of the uh, support they get from a higher level. So let's say if you were Jose, you're never going to win anything anyway. But let's say Dan Levy is the person holding the purse strings. So if you're not getting any money, you can't invest. How can you have a commission-based structure? You have bonuses if you go up and down. They're standard. But to do anything further would be a bit confusing. Maybe it might be a better incentivized system where it's not just based on promotion relegation, but the same way players have bonuses linked to performance. You could do that with managers where you're not necessarily expecting a team to win anything. So, you know, there'd be some motivation if you were, let's say, a Spurs supporter. Uh, Liverpool, of course. I I have nothing bad to say about Liverpool. Liverpool supporters who have behaved in the city in such a fabulous way since the uh, win have done that all for themselves. It was a little Minneapolis on the Mersey, the way they behaved. Um, it's a pity wait. that because a few, it's a few people. It's not the majority. Yeah. Uh, Andy Mack, uh, you're back on for 30 seconds. I'm stretching, of course, to a minute, but uh, whatever you want to say, away you go. Oh, that's very, very dangerous. What are you doing to me? <laughs> this season, I think, should have just been furloughed. The English league is over. The Bundesliga is over. The, the the only league that's kind of left that's got any interest in it for me personally is Italy at the moment because I want to see Juventus fall uh, and I'm quite enjoying this whole saga of Ronaldo's going to join everyone else apart from blah 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 because him and Sarri have fallen out over the cigarette breaks uh, I just it, it's everyone was going we need football back we need football back we need football. I'm I'm kind of already bored of it all the leagues are kind of finished and over I just want to start next season can we start next season already next week please in all fairness, at the very start of all this, you turned around after I think about two, three weeks, and you said, "I'm not really too bothered about football. I'm not, I'm not missing it too much." And I was, and I, I mentioned that I was shocked with that. So yeah, you're, you're consistent, Annie. Consistent, just like Liverpool and Glasgow Celtic. There you go. Uh, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Alex V, you have well between thirty and sixty seconds to. Uh, Fill us up with some more wisdom from North America. You away you go. <laughs> to fill you up with some more wisdom from North America. All right. <laughs> Stay away from well, Utah. <laughs> yeah. There's that. And there's also, on uh, yesterday, two very wise men, two wise guys, if you will, had a... It was UFC fight night, Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker. It was a, you know, it was a, it was a very... Uh, it, was, it was like a fight of the night, uh, fight of the year contender. It was... Dustin Poirier won, so he he lost against Khabib, of course, last um, well the last time he fought. So, you know, Dan Hooker he kind of stays in. I think he's going to stay in the number five spot in the lightweight rankings. But yeah, this kind of just means that Khabib has sort of this monopoly on the on the league, and he's just been running things there. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of just been you know really astonishing because. Um, the lightweight division, it's probably the most stacked division in the UFC. I've said this before. It has, you know, McGregor, Tony Ferguson, Dan Hooker, Daniel Poirier. Uh, <laughs> Dustin Poirier, yeah, all those guys, sorry. And, um, yeah, and Khabib just casually went his way through there, and he's just the champ. Excellent. Okay, thank you. Uh, I'm going to run around very quickly now, just asking like a couple of quick fire questions. I'm going to start with Andy Mack because he's sitting there expectantly. I know you mentioned about the leagues and, and like I'm, I'm having a look at the Spanish league because it is relatively competitive with the top two. Uh, even if Fyodor Smolin, big Andrew Flint's crush, his man crush, his, uh, you know, whatever he has in, in his mental bank. So basically, 
with, with the Spanish league. Is that not interesting, then? Well, I, I think after Barcelona threw it away yesterday against, uh, was it uh, Vigo? Yeah, small off, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's um, it. No. Don't say anymore. I mean, I, I did watch a few of the games, and I, I, I would like to say that the DJ or the sound effects guy for the, for the crowds in Spain is much, much better than the Premier League one, and I think they should hire him instead. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Okay, do you think now we're having the constitution, of course, the voting on the constitution here in Russia? One of the things is that uh, everybody is Russian. You're not any other nationality, you are Russian. Do you think that Habib Nurmagomedov should actually go to Ireland and take up Irish citizenship because now he can't be Dagestani? <laughs> <laughs> Alex has gone very... Oh, uh, was, that, was that for me? That was for Alex, yes. <laughs> I was like, what kind, of, what kind of question was that? That's How do you expect me to answer? Alright, can we go on again on that one? Okay, so Alex, with the Russian Constitution coming up this week on the 1st of July, a couple of days' time, um, <clears throat> one of the things they want to bring in is that everybody is Russian, so there's no such thing as a nationality or just Russian, Russian, Russian. Do you think that Habib now, in sort of with this, he should actually go and take up Irish citizenship? Or maybe US? Yeah, yeah. That's what you should do. <laughs> Alex, I love you. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Isolt, <laughs> over to you. Um, how, how corrupt do you think the sport of boxing is on a scale of one to one? I'm going to go with a one. <laughs> okay. Boxing is very corrupt. That's what I've learned in the last, I don't know, 30 something years of my life. Okay. I've come to that conclusion. Okay. The real it. question is: Are you going to start training for this season coming? Who's that to? Esau. She said her dad's got her down for training. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we so need to get my, her a charity. I, I, I think we need a charity match here. Yeah. Oh no. So I should explain. I can explain this in thirty seconds. My dad is a psychotic GAA supporter and rugby supporter. <laughs> is there any so other type just, of GAA supporter? I hope he doesn't listen no. to this. No. So what he does is he makes me go to matches, doesn't sit with me. He sits in a nice, decent seat. I sit somewhere else. And then he gets me to mark a programme because not only is he at the game and sees it, goes home and watches it and then watches the analysis show, he likes a programme with the markings in case, you know, his eyes or the TV get it wrong. So his training for me is going to be me watching old matches and practicing with a piece of paper and a pen. <laughs> that is my usual summer. I was happy about COVID as a result. I was away from him. He changed his phone number and I only found out after they did the draw for the championship and he texted me on it and I went, who's this? And who's texting me about the championship? And he went, oh, sorry, I didn't give you my new number yet. No, Dad, you didn't. I, I mean, I thought I was a bad dad. I'd put Tim behind the goals so he could fetch the balls and throw them back into us. I thought I was a bad father doing that. This, this Father's the... Day, we went to a match and in a place in Tip... Well, actually, not. it was a Tip match in Limerick in the GA grounds. It lashed rain. My dad was in the covered stand. I was going to the match with him. I was on the other side getting soaked. So, yeah. <laughs> Father's Day. <laughs> this has been my okay. magical day for us all. Andrew Flint, on to you. How often do you fantasize with Fyodor Smolov? Say again, Alan, sorry. How often do you like Fyodor Smolov? How often do I think of Fyodor Smolov? Yeah. 
um, pretty regularly when I when I watch um, uh, watching Odao Kasimbo today, they were so desperate that even Pavel Pogrebnik could have improved the side. And I, I yearn for the days when Fyodor was playing. Think of all the things that I love in Russian football, all coming together in one. Fyodor Smolov playing for Odalia Katzenberg at the Georg Stadium in Tuman when they were redeveloping their stadium. Those were some of the best days of my life. And I, I, I think Fyodor remembers them fondly as well. So. Right, I'm sure he does while he's enjoying the, the, the lovely weather in Spain and playing Barcelona. I'm sure he thinks about Tuman. <laughs> yeah. but he's up, he's up in, in Galicia, so it's, it's 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 rainy up there a lot, up in the northwest. Yeah. So, but better than Siberia is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, marginally. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, hey Scotland, fair, Siberia. Siberia is scorchy right now, so I have no, no bad words said about it. Okay. If you were given the choice right now, where would you be, Andrew? Where would you be? <laughs> <laughs> I honestly would choose Siberia. I still would. Okay, now, we, now you've got my final question. <laughs> right, Alex B, if you could choose one person's home in the world where you could be hiding under their couch, oh my God. Their couch where would it be right now? Dennis Rodman. Uh, his, <laughs> his, his suite in Vegas. That is a brilliant answer, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Lovely. Listen, Andrew, if you could come out of the closet in anybody's oh. house, whose house would it be? Fiona <laughs> <laughs> Same question to you, Andrew Mac. <laughs> if you could come out of the closet somewhere, where would it be? Whose house? Uh, <laughs> can, can we rephrase the closet part? Um, Maybe you could come out of the bathroom. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> if it was a bathroom, then it would have to be Balotelli's. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I like it. Isol, for you, where are you going to take your father next year for Father's Day? I'm probably, if uh, circumstances haven't got in the way, I will probably be at a GA match with him marking a programme. I should also note that he has, on multiple occasions, cancelled my birthday celebrations if there's a draw in the All Ireland final because I fall in between the first game and the replay, <laughs> and you couldn't be losing focus. Okay. So, yeah. I love it. Okay. We're learning a lot about your family. Today. Yeah. This, is, this is great. I mean, any any other person on the planet, I would be convinced that this is all completely made up. Yeah. But from oh, the regular oh. updates we get from you, we know it's true. I've had the videos of me sitting beside him at All Ireland Finals, and there's a guy beside me who I'm like, will we get a photo together? Because my dad's ignoring me. He's like, oh, that's your dad, is it? He doesn't seem to be talking to you. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> right, folks, we are wrapping up right now. We're going to go away. So uh, thank you very much, Alex B, Andy Mack, Isla Cody and Andrew Flint. We'll be back post later on this week with uh, another update of Madness. So until then, take care.